After the Secret Service discovered cocaine in the West Wing of the White House, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said President Biden expected a thorough investigation. FBI analysts examining the bag looked for traces of DNA and fingerprints, but found no definitive results. The Secret Service, which briefed the House Oversight Committee this morning, scoured video inside and outside the building and said no surveillance footage provided investigative leads. Hey, yo, guy! The mystery of the great cocaine caper has taken a turn, and wouldn't you know it, according to the Secret Service, we will never know the bandit who snuck cocaine into the White House. After looking long and hard at Jimmy's fourth grade class school trip and totally overlooking our elderly, addled old president's coke-addicted son, we've come to the conclusion that this is just a mystery that may never be solved and is too big for humanity to figure out. If this administration wasn't so corrupt, I'd almost believe that they will never know who the culprit was because they are also so incompetent. After all, look at how the highest office in the land has fallen. For those listening, I won't tell you who's speaking, and you tell me if you can tell which one is Ronald Reagan and which one is Joe Biden. Do they mean peace, or do they mean we just want to be left in peace? There can be no real peace while one American is dying someplace in the world for the rest of us. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. If you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I've, we're going to get a lot done. We're doomed. That's it. The republic has fallen, and it can't get up. I've fallen. And I can't get up! But the cocaine caper doesn't stop there because there's more afoot. Here's Jamie Raskin giving us his best cover for how satisfied he is with the investigation at this point by reminding us that when Lincoln was president, people could just walk into the White House at their leisure, but assumedly, I guess, not to drop their cocaine. So uh, I'm satisfied that the Secret Service and the White House are on top of it. You know, I was reading a, a book about Lincoln recently, and. Um, Anybody in Washington could just walk right into Lincoln's White House. Someone called the QAnon adjacent conspiracy theorist Jim Caviezel because we need someone to remind Jamie Raskin that the White House now has facial recognition technology and everyone that comes into the White House has to give their name and their social security. By the way, that's a joke from Jim's days on Person of Interest. If you didn't see it, great show. But anyway, all about facial recognition technology. Let's just say you're being spied on. If you take the battery out of your phone, I can still listen to you. There's a little bit of a difference between Lincoln's day and ours, isn't there, Jamie Raskin? Thanks for the understatement of the year. Today, the White House is no longer the people's house, too, by the way, in case you're paying attention. And the larger the government has become, the more egregiously incompetent and corrupt it has become. Our nation was founded upon two biblical principles. You see it expressed in the Declaration and the Constitution. The first is largely seen in the Declaration, and it is the belief in the Imago Dei that we are all made in the image of our Creator, and as a result, must be provided rights that are inalienable because they were given to us by our Creator and not the government. 
For those who love the truth and civil rights, you're welcome, by the way, because Christian scripture made that possible. The second truth, seen largely in the Constitution, is the truth of original sin, that all of us are made in our Creator's image, but also we are fallen and we have a sinful nature. Therefore, checks and balances must be implemented to protect the people because, as James Madison and Alexander Hamilton wrote in Federalist Paper Number 51, but what is government itself but the greatest of all reflections of human nature? If men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. In other words, we are fallen and we need government. But because we're fallen, government must not be too powerful. The novel concept of checks and balances is not only important because it helps our government work together in a very harmonious fashion, but it's also important because it's a recognition of the fact that without those checks and balances, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. By the way, this is why the government should be small and institutions should not be unchecked. So in our top stories today, I'll show you why the U.S. is struggling to do basic things like forking over billions of dollars to the Ukraine and then not being able to tell us where it's going. I'll show you how screenwriters and actors whining about their pay is a great opportunity to reform an industry that is eaten up with idiotic woke progressivism. And finally, we'll look at the Whatever podcast again as it highlights murdered Christians around the world. And it's a fact that often flies under the radar in the pampered West that wants to chase racism of the past while it totally forgets about slavery in the present. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and to check out today's show sponsor. Our show today is sponsored by the folks over at Element Home Loans and the Kevin Blair team. Did you know that Kevin Blair and his team can help you get pre-qualified for a home today totally for free and then lock you into that rate as soon as you find the perfect property for you? Not only can they help you do that, but they can also help you see past some of the gimmicks of these other mortgage companies that tell you that, well, if you get your credit pulled too much, it will ding your credit score and take it down, which of course is just a tactic to keep you with that company and not shopping for better rates or for better customer service. Of course, there are companies out there like Element Home Loans who can provide you with certain programs that will not only help you get a great interest rate and also pay as little down as you wish to pay, but, but more importantly, programs that can also help you refinance in the future totally for free. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had the opportunity to support a company that cares about the things that I care about, that deserves to be supported, and one that would help me financially, I would give my business to that company. And that is, of course, our friends over at the Kevin Blair team with Element Home Loans. But in order to see everything that they can do for you, you need to go to kbmtg.com. Because I promise you, not only will you get first-rate customer service, you will get no lies and gimmicks. So go to kbmtg.com today. And when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. This past Tuesday, I told a story about getting my belongings from the beach with my two young boys who I'm desperately trying to teach to be contributors to the family while also making sure that they are not whining about snacks. Um, and so we were gathering our belongings on the beach and I confronted two people who were smoking drugs directly next to the staircase while my boys were sitting there. And apparently these people were trying to give them a contact high 
while they were smoking it up and having a good time. Now, of course, I get to be the wet blanket on all of these people's parties, and I am uh, more than happy to do so. But uh, I actually felt good about it because I felt like maybe I intimidated these people in a way that made them reconsider their life choices. And perhaps smoking drugs on the beach is not the way to really have a great time in your life, but maybe it's actually spending time with your family, enjoying your kids, or maybe like doing something useful for your life besides smoking it away. Um, I thought that perhaps maybe I had made them reconsider those life choices because of the looks on their faces. But I also neglected to think about this until later because I didn't have a mirror in front of me. But um, I think perhaps the response I got from them might have had more to do with my personal appearance than actually with the words that were coming out of my mouth. Um, so my day in the sun was ruined in that regard because actually I didn't have any hands because I had so much going on. I looked like, you know, John Candy on that summer vacation movie, whatever it was with all this stuff. I had like a, a tent in one hand, bags all up in the other hand. I had to throw my wife's hat on my head. And I also forgot that I was covered in this white sunscreen because I didn't want to melt out in the sun. So I was wearing a woman's hat had basically white clown makeup all over my face and had all these things in my hands. And I think the response I might have gotten from these people was actually because of how weird I looked. And it didn't hit me until much later on. And the rest of my day was ruined. We can actually sidestep that and actually get into some things that do truly matter because standing for truth in ways that also may not be popular or may cause even kind of social repercussions, you know, as the truth often does, um, is is harder and harder these days where the culture shifts further left and morality is left in its in its wake somewhere in the distant past. Um, and that is true, of course, on the subject of Ukraine, because Ukraine has become a sort of litmus test for your fidelity to not only woke principles, but also your fidelity to humanity, your, your care for um, uh, and concern for the the unfortunate among us. And of course, this unfortunate group of people are raking in billions of dollars from the United States. And of course, what's going on in the Ukraine is evil. There's nobody who would contest anything um, about that specifically. However, whether or not we should be forking billions of dollars over to a, a country that has proven time and time again to actually be relatively corrupt is certainly another question. So the, I guess this also has to do not only with social repercussions and taking a stand that may be unpopular, but also to the ability to be able to, to to think two things at the same time, because we can think that Russia is evil and we can think that Russia, what Russia is doing in the Ukraine is bad, while also understanding that perhaps what we're doing to help may not actually be the best solution, especially for Americans. Because as we'll see in this viral clip that uh, took place just over the weekend, you'll see that we have been giving billions of dollars to the Ukraine, and we do not actually know where that money is going largely. Um, and here is one example for why that's such a big deal. Thank you. And I thank uh, Alex Rubenstein and Wyatt Reed for helping me prepare this address. Wyatt Reed is a journalistic colleague of mine who in October 2022 happened to be in Donetsk when his hotel was shelled by the Ukrainian military with a apparently U.S.-made howitzer nearly killing him. He was 100 meters away. I'm also here with my friend, the civil rights activist Randy Credico, who was more recently in Donetsk and witnessed regular HIMARS attacks 
on civilian targets. I am here not only as a journalist who spent over 20 years writing books, doing, pr producing documentaries, and writing articles about conflict and politics from several continents. I'm also here as an American taxpayer who's been dragooned into funding a proxy war that has become a threat to the regional and international stability at the expense of my countrymen and women. This June, just June 28th, as emergency crews worked to clean up yet another toxic train derailment in the United States, this time on the Montana River, further exposing our nation's chronically underfunded infrastructure and its threats to our health, the Pentagon announced plans to send an additional $500 million worth of military aid to Ukraine. The development came as Ukraine's army enters the third week of a vaunted counteroffensive that CNN describes as, quote, not meeting expectations, and which even Vladimir Zelensky says is going slower than desired. As Ukraine's military failed to breach Russia's primary defense line, CNN reported on June 12th that Kiev had lost, quote, lost 16 U.S.-made armored vehicles sent to the country. So what did the Pentagon do? It simply passed that bill down to average U.S. taxpayers like myself, charging us another $325 million to replace Ukraine's squandered military stock. There was zero effort to consult the U.S. public's position on the matter, and the vast majority of Americans likely did not even know the exchange took place. This policy that I'm describing to you, which sees Washington prioritize unrestrained funding for a proxy war with a nuclear power in a foreign land where our while our domestic infrastructure falls apart before our eyes, exposes a disturbing dynamic at the heart of the Ukraine conflict, an international Ponzi scheme that enables Western elites to seize hard-earned wealth from the hands of average U.S. citizens and funnel it into the coffers of a foreign government that even Transparency International ranks as consistently one of the most corrupt in Europe. Now, I don't know if it will help you at all, not that it should, that the person speaking there is a Democratic journalist and not necessarily some right-wing fanatic, but actually somebody that typically would side with those uh, and in his political ideological spectrum on the Ukraine. And he brings up a valid point. Infrastructure is struggling in the United States while we fork over billions of dollars to the Ukraine, and we do not know where it is going. But infrastructure is just one of the many problems in the United States that demand our attention while we focus all of our, our benevolence upon a country that people can't even find on a map. Now, I want to also underscore the importance of the, the missing tanks here, where millions of dollars in missing military equipment just goes unchecked and we don't know where it is or what happened to it, if it wound up in the enemy's hands. But we just know that we should try to recompense the Ukraine for missing this stuff and just give them even more millions of dollars of equipment. Um, I want to remind you of something I showed on the show a while back, but it's something that if you are not aware of, you should be aware of. And that is that the Department of Defense is the only governmental entity that does not have to pass a financial audit each year. So here is John Stewart speaking to a DOD official and questioning why in the world that's the case. That is not the same as saying we can't do that because waste, fraud, and abuse has occurred. So, in my world, yeah. that's waste. How is that waste? If I give you a billion dollars and you can't tell me what happened to it, that to me is wasteful. That, that means you well, are not responsible. <laughs> but if you can't tell me where it went, then what am I supposed to think? And when there has been reporting, I mean... This is not, look, I'm not, I'm not saying this is on you and that you caused this, but I think it's, it's a tough argument to I'm make sure that I cause it. <laughs> an, an $850 billion budget 
to an organization that can't pass an audit and tell you where that money went, like, I think most people would consider that somewhere in the realm of waste, fraud, or abuse, because they would wonder why that money isn't well accounted for. So let's just for a moment push aside any emotional attachment we have to the Ukraine, and let's just ask the very simple question that I hope we can find unanimous agreement with, which is we should not be giving money to people who are not managing that money well or who are not managing that money in a way that we can actually report on or that we can see. So if there's not going to be any kind of financial audit or any kind of financial accountability for the money that's going to the Ukraine, I'm not sure why we should be giving it in the first place. And this brings up a whole nother big issue. Should we be giving money to a country that has potentially illegal ties to our sitting president? While there are allegations of him taking millions of dollars from businesses in the Ukraine and even things that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, which is that Joe Biden was doing quid pro quos, according to the less definition of it, in the Ukraine by forcing certain attorney, attorneys who were investigating things to be fired or else they would not receive any kind of benefit from, uh, from the United States when he was vice president. Um, I mean, push all of that aside for a moment, and let's just focus on the obvious fact that not only should we not be giving money to the Ukraine when our president potentially has illegal ties with them, and this could be all just a big cover-up and we're being extorted, and President Biden is giving that money to Zelensky, so whatever dirt he has on Biden won't be exposed. And let's just let's just be honest outside of any of those higher kind of conspiratorial ideas. And let's just focus on the simple fact that the people who misuse and abuse money do not deserve to get it. Now, I know this comes as a surprise to Democrats who think that you can, you know, charge everything on credit and run up the national debt and there will never be repercussions. But certainly there there is. And if there is a a national security threat in the present. It's not just Russia, and it's not even just Russia and China. It's the fact that our national debt continues to skyrocket, creating what is the biggest national security threat uh, that that we that we presently have. So fiscal responsibility might be something that may not be sexy, but is absolutely necessary. But of course, in our laissez-faire kind of uh, no holds barred pleasure-seeking society responsibility and finances are two things that often don't go together. Now, I want to move to our next story because we'll see that on full display as actors and writers are now striking because they're not getting enough money. So maybe unless you've been living under a rock, you've recognized that certain red carpet events and maybe other shows have been put on pause because there's a strike going on with screenwriters and with actors in, uh, in Hollywood. Now, they have been doing this because they're demanding um, a couple of different things. One, they're demanding some kind of compensation for AI and some agreements not to use AI, which might put some um, potential actors, but certainly screenwriters, out of work. But also, of course, the typical run-of-the-mill financial uh, compensation for streaming and, and other things like that. So uh, the actors and writers have been striking, and so all of Hollywood has come to a halt. Now, I have just a question for you about this, because I had the same question with the Ukraine story uh, prior to, to this one. Could you imagine what 
person would go to a church that didn't actually have balanced budgets and didn't even have budgets, you know, just spending money on things and they didn't know where that money was going. In the same way, can you imagine what people would say if a group of high-profile pastors refused to show up to their churches on Sunday because they were demanding more money and they were standing in picket lines? Now, the vast majority of people would say these spoiled pastors, these these money-grubbing, greedy pastors who only want to put themselves first and don't care about the people in their congregation— Well, of course, now put actors in that place, and somehow the left has incredible sympathy for them. Odd how that works, isn't it? It's almost as if they have this kind of preconceived hatred toward Christians and aren't willing to think clearly. Now, a lot of you will say, well, Reed, these aren't high-profile people. These these are struggling writers and extras and, and, and people who are living on meager wages just trying to make it um, in Hollywood and make it off the rich backs of their employers. Well, not all of them, right? Because according to The Wrap, actor Ron Perlman expressed his strong disapproval toward an unnamed studio executive who suggested in an interview with Deadline on Tuesday that the WGA strike should continue until union members face financial hardship and lose their homes. In a now-deleted Instagram post, Perlman mentioned being aware of the executive's identity and residence, cautioning him to exercise his own caution. And quote, one thing before I get off this, the MFR who said, we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their homes and their apartments. Listen to me, MFR. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it financial, some of it is karma, and some of it is figuring out who the F said that, and we know who said that, and where he effing lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that on that family star while you're making 27 effing million a year for creating nothing. Be careful, MFR. Be really careful because that's the kind of stuff that stirs stuff up. Peace out. Now, what a quality human being Ron Perlman is. Not only is he threatening this individual with physical violence, but apparently he's also threatening to dox this man because... He knows where he lives and something horrible could happen to his house. Now, I can't help but imagine what would happen if this was Christians speaking like this in this way. But hopefully that disabuses you of the false narrative that everybody who's picketing here are these poor, unfortunate souls in Hollywood just trying to make it. Yes, it's also Hollywood elites. And can you imagine the media backlash that we would get if it was elitist pastors rather than these Hollywood elites. I promise you, we wouldn't be getting stories like this from The Hill uh, that talks about Adam Schiff. And according to The Hill, quoting Adam Schiff, the Writers Guild of America's fight for better pay and wage protection in the area of streaming content is vital to ensuring the livelihood of those who make the entertainment industry such a creative powerhouse, Schiff said on Twitter. Schiff went on to say, I stand with those striking and urge both sides to swiftly come to a deal that supports good worker salaries and keeps our favorite TV and movie productions afloat. Then he would go on later to say, by the way, did I mention that I'm running for political office? Now, of course, he didn't actually say that, but that, of course, is exactly why he said those things, because he wants to support these disenfranchised actors and writers because He is running for political office and wants to curry favor with them, and he knows that they are actually very powerful. So, so much for marginalized actors. But rather than listen to Adam Schiff, you know, vie for political power, I'd rather rather listen to somebody who actually knows about the business a little bit more, and that's Bob Iger, because recently he had this to say to CNBC. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. 
and they are adding to a set of challenges that this business is already facing. So let me just be really clear with you about the incompetence of Hollywood. Why should these writers and these actors be rewarded for creating objectively worse material than perhaps we've ever seen on TV with shows like The Witcher, Amazon Rings of Power, Willow, Obi-Wan, She-Hulk, and not to mention movies like The Flash, which was a total flop, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Femininity, and just about every Star Wars movie that Disney has been responsible for taking over since they unfortunately grabbed that franchise. Hollywood has been destroying all of these properties and destroying the shows that we love. So the TV and the movies that we love don't exist anymore because of these people who are so entitled and believe that they should get something that perhaps they really don't deserve. And all of this is taking a toll on the industry. As the industry shifts further and further to the left and continues to try to illustrate woke feminism and intersectionality and identity politics, people have less and less desire to go to the movies or to see your nonsense streaming content. That's why Disney is hemorrhaging millions of subscribers and why Disney just recently had the worst 4th of July in 10 years, according to Thrill Data Research. That's right, lines were shorter on the 4th of July than it has ever been in 10 years to almost every single ride at Disney World and ticket sales plummeted. Why is that, do you think? Well, that's because Disney, among other studios, have decided to sexualize children because of their woke agenda and putting that before the actual audience members that they're trying to entertain. So I don't see any reason why we should be trying to to reward the people who have created this cataclysmic fall of the industry. Furthermore, beyond rewarding them for their bad behavior, I just don't care. Pampered actors asking for more money is just another way that we're supposed to forget that there are real problems in the world and that many today think that complaining about your plight makes you interesting. I can't help but feel like this is nothing less than virtue signaling, where everybody has to have some kind of complaint to bring up so that they can actually get get interest from people and get people to notice them. The industry needs reform, and there's plenty of independent writers out there who could do a far better job than the writers that are presently in the industry. So forgive me, I will not be crying any crocodile tears over these very privileged people who believe that somehow their plight is any worse than anyone else's, or in fact, that their lives aren't actually much better than the vast majority of people's lives. Nonetheless, if we're actually going to have some metric to define truth, we might want to go to our final segment today, Bible study with Democrats. Oh, God of pronouns. And speaking of people who actually do have it hard, I want to look at the Whatever podcast who was just recently doing an episode about persecuted Christians around the world. Now, that might actually deserve some of our attention outside of the picket lines of these people in Hollywood. If by chance you've accidentally stumbled upon the whatever podcast, it is a, let's just call it a cesspool of millennial idiocracy. Uh, very often, they speak about controversial subjects and provide us just about the most Gen Z take on things that you would expect. However, every once in a while, they'll have some bright spots if they have the right kind of guest on the show, and they will talk about some things that actually truly matter and shine a light on some things that 
you don't find often enough. And the Whatever Podcast did that just recently with persecuted Christians. Here's them having a special guest on the show from March for the Martyrs that dealt with that very subject. It's Christian persecution. So it's the persecution of Christians solely because of their beliefs. Mm. Oh, so would yeah. this be... This is predominantly people who are overseas, I imagine, like in other Definitely. countries. Yeah, actually. So some statistics, one third of the world faces religious oppression and an overwhelming 80% of the oppressed are Christians. So we're talking about Christians in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody knew what was happening um, or at least watched the news at some point when ISIS was um, campaigning a war on Christians in the Middle East. And we saw an 80% decrease in the Christian population in just one generation. So that's just an example of some of um, mm -hmm. cases of persecution of Christians. Is that because they, they fled the area or because they were killed? It's both, but oh, there was okay. a, a genocide of Christians mm. um, both in Iraq and Syria. And actually right now there's a genocide of Christians happening in Nigeria, believe it or not. Um, in just one year, we had over 2,500 Christians that were killed because of their beliefs. Mm. Now, obviously, a very important subject that we do not hear enough about, and I want to try to undergird what you just heard with some statistics. So in the past year, 360 million Christians, or one in seven believers around the world, suffered significant persecution for their faith. And we're not talking about being made fun of here. Every day in 2021, an average of more than 16 believers were killed for following Jesus. With close to 6,000 total martyrs, 2021 saw a 24% increase in Christians killed for their faith. Just recently, the Christian Post did an expose on some of the violence that's taking place in India, which you may not know is one of the most, um, one of the hotbeds for the most heavily places where Christians are persecuted. And they said this, at least 400 acts of violence committed against Christians in India in the first half of 2023. According to UCF's findings, the number of violent incidents against Christians has been rising steadily in India since 2014, with a significant spike observed in 2021 and 2022. The group also noted in its statement that the month of June saw the highest number of attacks against Christians, against the Christian community, averaging three incidents per day. Meanwhile, our president is toasting the leader of India. Thank you for your partnership and your friendship. Please join me in a toast, but I don't know if we have any glasses. Cheers. So a couple of points about this. Do you know any other religion that is pinpointed for their faith like Christians are? Honestly, think about all the major religions of the world if you want to relegate it down to three, talking about Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Is there any other religion that on a regular basis, specifically because of their faith, they are targeted and killed around the world, especially in the number that we just saw that I just read to you? About 16 a day being killed around the world just because they're Christians? Now, the media bias in the present would would make you believe that this is not that big of a deal because we are interested in vastly less important things, as I just illustrated with the writer's strike and with the actor's strike in Hollywood. There are some things, however, that we should be thinking about that we're not told by the media. So for once, can we think for ourselves? For once, can we think about things that are important without being told that they are important? Now, point two, we have a bad habit of missing the most important issues facing us. 
While Greta Thunberg points her finger at adults and tells them how shameful they are for not caring more about climate change, we in the real world are still wondering about how we can be so misguided as to miss the fact that we're still aborting babies on a regular basis. We're butchering minors in gender clinics, and Christians around the world are being killed simply because they are Christians. Now, if this does not reek of the kind of incompetence that we see on a regular basis that face us in our political realm, in our media realm, and in every area of life, I don't know what is. Now, I know it's a big subject when we talk about martyrdom, only to make kind of this sub-point, but I think it's something that needs to be heard. If I am right, and broadly speaking, humanity is full of incompetence, and the kind of incompetence that keeps us from really focusing on the things that really matter outside of some brilliant inspiration that hits us somewhere from the Spider-Verse, then doesn't it make sense that we need to put our faith in something that is bigger than humanity? As institutions crumble all around us because of wokeness, isn't it important that we put our faith in something other than our human-made institutions? And I know the argument atheists will make is to say, if a man is incompetent, then we must strive all the more to be better. And putting our faith in God is nothing less than a crutch, a cop-out, a distraction to helping humanity become the best that it can be. But this is a statement that is rooted in historically illiterate nonsense. The story of history, especially in the West, is that men have put their faith in God, and by that have found inspiration to make beautiful architecture, gaze into the stars to ponder the vastness of its creation, and the practice of medicine to help heal those who are hurting. For an illustration of this, I leave you with some profound thoughts by Tucker Carlson. Architecture changed completely, and it went from designs that complemented the landscape around them to a kind of architecture that clearly hates people, that is designed to oppress the human spirit and make people feel without value, worthless. I think if you brought someone from the streets of Tokyo to the Cotswolds and said, what do you think of that building? You would say, that's beautiful, because beauty is inherent. Every person recognizes beauty. A Shinto temple in Kyoto, I recognize it immediately as beautiful, because it is. It's consistent with the symmetry of nature. Municipal and state buildings were once plainly an expression of a contract between the people yes. and their government of a yes. good faith relationship. I, I, think that. I, just, I just thought that. I walked up with my wife in the rain on a village hall and I thought whoever built that cared about the people. It was built by the people who live there for the people who live there and they loved the people who live there because they were related to them or knew them. It was built by peasants without machines. When men turned toward God, they found the capacity for beauty that made our city something to behold. As we have turned away from him, we have turned our cities into ugly cement blocks where gray is the most common color. So not only is our architecture uglier, but also humanity looks a little uglier. It gets a little bit more incompetent, in other words, and misses the big things that are all around us that should demand our attention. In that case, it is only logical and right to put your faith and your hope in a transcendent God. And I believe the God that you can find in Christian scripture so that we may truly strive for something bigger than ourselves, so that we can finally strive for the divine. If that was in some way helpful to you, I'd love to hear from you down in the comment section below. If it wasn't, thanks for watching this long. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, go with God.